Good morning, loved ones. I'm so happy that we have this time together. And I pray that wherever you are, when you watch this or when you listen to it, that this will be a time of blessing for you. And I pray that uh, our time together will just help you in your walk with Christ. If you would, join me for a prayer and then we'll jump into our sermon for today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word and we thank you for Christ. And Father, I pray that you will give us open ears and open hearts. I pray, Lord, that you will just empower us with your Holy Spirit to follow you more faithfully and more obediently. And Father, Lord, I pray again, just uh, give you all thanks and glory for the hope and uh, mercy that we have in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So you might notice behind me that things look a little bit different than they do normally for us here at Hickory Rock. And that is for a very exciting reason. We will be celebrating and rejoicing in a baptism this week. And we as Baptists believe that there are two ordinances or sacraments, depending upon the background you're coming out of, that Christ has left for us to observe. The first of those is communion. And we here at Hickory Rock do that once a month. And the second uh, ordinance we observe is baptism. Baptism, which we uh, will do, perform, anytime anyone professes faith in Christ. And since this is a special Sunday, it calls for a special sermon. And to uh, honor that, we're going to be looking today at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And we're going to look here at Paul's explanation, his depiction of baptism. And I want to speak about baptism specifically today because for many of us, we might have seen it before. We might have a somewhat decent grasp on what it means. But for many of us, we don't fully understand what exactly is going on in baptism. What is the significance of this? What's the purpose of this? And if you've never been in church, if this is something that you don't have a background in, then this is completely foreign to you altogether. And so I want to talk about baptism. And as I said, uh, Paul's words in Romans 6 here are some of the best on the topic of baptism. And as we walk through Paul's words, we're going to see that baptism is the external sign of the internal change that a person has experienced. And this external sign, baptism, announces their eternal hope. So there's an external sign of internal change and of eternal hope. And as we walk through this, as we read Paul's words, we're going to understand and realize that this sacred act, baptism, highlights and announces the work of the Holy Spirit within us and also the hope that we have in Christ. And so let's pick up in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, and it says this, What shall we say then? Are we to remain in sin so that grace may increase? Absolutely not. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live. A new life. And so in some ways, loved ones, the opening lines here of Paul's 
comments in chapter six might not make a lot of sense to us. And part of the reason for that is because we're jumping right into the middle of the point he's trying to communicate to the Roman believers. To get a fuller picture of what he's saying here, we kind of have to look back very briefly at Romans chapter five, verses 18 through 20. And there in that passage, Paul is trying to communicate. He's trying to help the Roman believers understand what their status was before Christ. He's trying to help the Roman believers understand that all humanity was unrighteous and under the condemnation of death because of the sins of Adam. But now, because of Christ and his death and his resurrection, all humanity now has the hope of forgiveness and righteousness. In one man, Adam, all were made sinners. But through one man, Jesus, all now have the hope of righteousness and forgiveness. And Paul caps this point off by reminding the Roman believers of the purpose of the law that God gave to Israel. The law was given to the world to help us understand how horrific our sins are, to help us see just how we could never measure up to God's standard, just how far removed from him we were. But the law also served a dual purpose. It helped us to see just how much God's mercy and grace abounds. Just how merciful our God is because he has given us a means of access to him, first through the law, but now ultimately through Jesus Christ. Because of this, we now have mercy, forgiveness through Jesus and his sacrificial death. We can now come back to the Father because of Christ. Paul summarizes this by saying, where sin increased, grace increased even more. But this idea, this thinking, sin increasing, but grace increasing even more, that led to some bad ideas being held. Many people thought that if that is the case, if Jesus has already paid the price for my sins, then I should have license to live however I want. It doesn't matter how I live. I can sin as much or as little as I want to because Christ has already paid for everything. If Christ has already taken care of it, I should be able to run up a tab of sorts in his name since he's already taken care of things. And Paul picks up here in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6 by telling us this is a terrible idea. If you think this way, if you think that Christ's death and the forgiveness we have because of that, that that is license, that is liberty for us to live sinful lives, then we completely misunderstand the gospel. The gospel, the life and death and resurrection of Christ, the forgiveness we have through him, that's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. If you've ever played Monopoly, you know that if you roll the dice a certain number of times or you land on a certain spot, you have to go to jail and you lose a certain number of turns. But if you've been fortunate up to that point to pick up the get out of jail free card, you can play it immediately and not lose a turn. You can keep on doing what you were doing before. Paul wants us to know very clearly that Jesus's death and the forgiveness we've been given by that. That's not license for us to live a life of sin. And Paul follows this up by asking a very piercing question. He says, how can we who are dead to sin still seek to live 
How can we, who have been given new lives, who have been made regenerate, who now have new hearts with God's law written upon them, how can we seek to live in sin? And the answer is we can't. Sin is no longer our master. God is. We are no longer enslaved to sin, so we should not willingly and intentionally seek sin out. We are no longer dominated by it. But Paul's words here highlight for us a very important point. He highlights this internal change that has been brought about within us by the work of the Holy Spirit. And that internal change is, that, is this. Because of Christ, because of the Holy Spirit, we are now dead to sin. We're dead to sin. Now, compare that to what Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 2, where he is telling us about our former state, where he's telling us how we were before Christ came around. And he reminds us that in our natural, unregenerated, fallen, sinful state, we were dead in our trespasses of sin. We were children of wrath, marked for discussion. But now, there's been a change. Where we were once dead in sin, we are now dead to sin. This is the fundamental internal change that happens in a person by the work of the Holy Spirit when they are called into salvation. And this change is only possible by the work of God. Without God doing this, there is no other means or mechanism for this internal change taking place. And when this change happens, a person seeks baptism to announce to the world that this change has occurred. And that's one reason why we as Baptists specifically, we practice what's called believer's baptism. We don't baptize babies. We only baptize people who profess their belief in Christ Jesus because without there first being this internal change, without God doing the work first, there's no reason for baptism at all. Everything rides upon and hinges on the work of Christ and the work of the Spirit within us. But as we look at verse 3, we remember that a moment ago, I said that baptism is the external sign that announces this internal change. And it's incredibly important that we understand this. Going into the water, the simple act of being immersed and coming out, this ritual is not what saves you. That does nothing more than just make you physically wet. This is the external sign that announces what's already happened by the virtue and the work of the Holy Spirit within you. This act just confirms what's already happened here. It's symbolic in nature. It's very much like my wedding ring. Is this ring what makes me married to my wife? And the answer is no. I can take my ring off and guess what? I am still very much married to my wife. This ring serves the purpose of being a sign to everyone around me that I am in a covenant relationship with my wife. This is the symbol that she and I have vowed before God to be committed to each other. Likewise, baptism is the sign and symbol that a person is in a covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And because of that, 
Baptism is deeply symbolic. It is deeply and vastly important, especially when we consider what Paul tells us here in verse 3. Here he tells us that we are baptized. We are immersed into Christ's death. The act of baptism is a declaration of faith. It is a pledging of allegiance to the one who died to buy us forgiveness. Uh, Paul tells us that we go into the water, we are joining Christ in death. We are being baptized into his death. We publicly announce that Christ paid the price for our sin. And in this, we are also publicly announcing that our old, sinful, fallen, unregenerate state is dead and gone. And we are now joining ourselves in death, in the grave, symbolically, with the one who died the death we deserve. We go into the water, we join Christ symbolically in the grave, and just as Christ was raised again three days later, we come up out of the water, a new creature. He was raised with a new glorified body. We come up a pardoned, cleansed, forgiven sinner, a new creation, a child of God, and a co-heir with Christ. But Paul also tells us that there's more, and we see this fleshed out in verse 4. This external sign not only announces our internal change, but it also announces our eternal hope that we have through Christ. It announces to the world that we have new life here and that we have new life yet to come. Just as God raised Christ back to death for his own glory, God has raised us up out of deadness to sin, again, for his own glory, so that we might live new lives here that bring honor and glory to God. And because of that, our new lives, our post-baptism lives, should be lives of constant testimony, constant witness to God's love, to his mercy, to his forgiveness. And we should be living these new lives to bring honor and glory to God. But we also know and understand because of everything that Christ has taught us that the new life we experience here is only the smallest taste of the eternal life that we have yet to come with him and his kingdom. We know that our symbolic going into the grave and coming out of the grave that is played out in baptism, that will one day be a literal, physical coming up out of the grave. We know that because Christ defeated death, because he conquered the grave, because he was physically resurrected, we too have the hope of a literal physical resurrection at the end of time. And we demonstrate this. We profess this. We announce this hope through the act of baptism. And so, loved ones, at this point on Sunday when we are alive, we will uh, transition into this very sacred moment where we baptize and rejoice and welcome a new sister in the faith. We welcome a new member of the family of God and a new member here at Hickory Rock. But as we conclude today, I want to invite you 
to take part in this challenge that I'm going to give you. And this challenge is this. I want you to examine your hearts. And I want you to ask yourself if you have experienced this internal change. Are you regenerate? Are you now dead to sin where you were once dead in sin? And if this is true, have you publicly professed this? Have you proclaimed your faith in Christ? Have you announced to the world the internal change that has gone about within you by being baptized? Have you gone into the grave and come up a new creation? Have you demonstrated what's gone on within you? And do you have the hope of eternal life? Are you living as a new creature with a new life, bringing glory and honor to God? And do you have the assurance of eternal life with Christ? Well, if the answer to these things is yes, then amen, hallelujah, and let's continue to exhort each other in good works and exhort each other to follow Christ more faithfully, to grow closer to him. But if you have not experienced these things, then I plead with you, give your heart to Christ. Die to sin since he has already died for you. Give him your heart. Publicly profess it either here or by joining another church. Find somewhere where you can go and be taught the gospel and seek to glorify God wherever it is that he's planted you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We rejoice for the work that you're doing here at Hickory Rock. We thank you for the fact that we get to baptize a new believer today. And Father, I pray for those who are watching, who are listening, wherever they might be. Father, I pray that you move in their hearts, Lord. Allow them to feel your spirit within them. Uh, encourage them, exhort them in faithfulness if they have already put their faith in you. But if they've not, Lord, work on them. Open their eyes, open their ears, Lord, and let them see the uh, glory of your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness that we all have access to now because of Christ. And Father, we love you and we thank you for Christ and it's in his name we pray.